Good morning and welcome to Faith Brook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson, our Children's and Family Director. We're so glad you're here with us, whether you're in person or online. If you are newer here at Faith Brook, we want you to be more than just a number. We have a blue connection card in the seat pocket in front of you. If you would grab that, fill it out, and drop it in the giving box on the way out. Or if you're online, you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash connect, and we look forward to getting to know you better. At Faithbrook, our mission is to love God, love people, and journey together. And a great way for us to love people this Christmas season is by collecting food items for cross services. If you're at the grocery store or you're doing a quick Target pickup run, please grab a few extra items and bring those on in. Next week is our last week for collection. Thank you for helping us make a big impact this Christmas season. A quick reminder that next week is our kids-led worship, so we look forward to sharing that with you. And a reminder that it will be a full house, so if you can carpool, that would be greatly appreciated. Well, let's now welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our series, It's a Wonderful Christmas. Well, how many of you have heard of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Did you know that he had a very shiny nose? And if you ever saw it, you would say it glows. Well, all the other reindeers used to laugh and call him names, right? They never let poor Rudolph join in any of those reindeer games. Then there was a problem. Christmas Eve was full of fog, and Santa couldn't get the presents to the kids in that fog. So he went to Rudolph with his nose so bright and asked him, would you consider to lead my sleigh tonight? And because of his shiny nose, Rudolph saved Christmas and Santa got the presents to the kids. Then all the other reindeers, oh, they loved him and they shouted out with glee, Rudolph, with your red-nosed rain, red reindeer, you'll go down in history. Yes. Well, a long time ago, there was a bigger problem than just fog at Christmas Eve. The world had a problem, and the world's problem was man's selfishness, man's sin. And the world needed more than a rain, reindeer to save it. It needed a savior. And that's why we have collected today, especially during this Christmas uh, season, in person or online. Uh, this is the season where we celebrate the savior of the world who saw our need, uh, past presence, past uh, family and friends, but something deeper in our soul. And so we have come to sing and to commemorate the, the Christ child who was born in a simple manger in the little town of Bethlehem. And I'm going to welcome you to Faith Brook this morning. If you're a first-time guest, maybe second, a welcome. Hope you feel comfortable. Maybe you couldn't make it today. There are several people who are sick. You're watching online. Welcome to Online Church here at Faith Brook. And of course, our theme this season has been, It's a Wonderful Christmas. And it's really been inspired by that old classic movie, It's a Wonderful Life, starring James Jimmy Stewart. And Jimmy Stewart played George Bailey in this movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And last week, we um, introduced it, and we found that George Bailey was very upset. He worked really hard all his life, and all of a sudden, he was in a major crisis his savings and bank and loan was in crisis. He, he was facing jail time, and so he became very upset, very grumpy and angry and lashing out. And we compared it to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. 
when God instructed his major prophet Isaiah to tell his people, Israel, that they were going to come under judgment. They were going to come under uh, war and battle. His, his hands of protection were going to be lifted, and there was going, there was going to be a prophecy of doom and gloom uh, that was coming before them, and, and they found themselves upset. But through all these 66 books that are found in the Old Testament of Isaiah, of of condemnation, of coming judgment, and history bears that out, that's exactly what happened, God would always send hope. God would always slip in, there's a future, because I will never leave you. I will not forsake you and, and, and let you go. I will always bring a Savior. And so he instructed the prophet Isaiah to share these words. And we found the first, what scholars call the Advent prophecy in chapter seven, when Isaiah proclaimed to the people, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Now the people didn't understand what exactly what they meant, but they understood the word Emmanuel because in their tradition, that meant with God, with us. And we, we shared last week how God is with us through all things. And, and because he's with us, Christmas is wonderful because we have a God who is willing to walk with us even through the darkest times and the toughest times. We um, offer you a little card to take with you to go out uh, and just keep that in your purse or on your dresser just to remind you that God is with us. He is the Emmanuel. So George Bailey was really upset. He was not paying attention to God. He was saying some very angry things. And uh, after he rampaged through his house, he, he left the house and fleed. He didn't know what to do with his emotions. He didn't know what to do with his financial crisis. He knew they was in trouble. And he found himself in the, the local bar, a broken man, unsettled in his spirit. See, all his life, he thought he could control things. He was a good person. He was a, a smart person and, and learned to be self-sufficient. He prided on, on doing the right things and helping other people, but it seemed that wasn't enough. There was something missing in his life, something that he could not fix on his own. And so we see in this clip that he's contemplating his need for God to help him out. Let's check it out. Yeah, Merry Christmas! Glad you come! How about some of that good spaghetti? We got everything! God in heaven. I'm not a praying man, but you got to show me the way. He now understands his need for a God. 
It reminds me of a, another man in the Bible shared in Luke 15. Uh, some of you might know it. It's called the prodigal son. This, this young man who had a lot of things going for himself, living in his father's estate. His father was a loving man and a, and, and a rich man, and, and things were going well, but his son thought, you know, this is kind of boring. I can do life better on my own, and, and there are more fun and exciting things on the other side of the mountains. And so he came to his dad and said, Dad, I want my inheritance. I, I want what's coming to me because I'm going to set out and do my own thing, and it broke his father's heart. But his father gave him the inheritance and said, uh, do your thing. And he left the family, and, he, and he, he rode off. And sure enough, man, he explored all the things of the world. He spent his money and pursued success and pursued fame and, and all the entertaining things in his life. But pretty soon, the scriptures tell us that he started dwindling. He started realizing this was emptiness. All the things that the world promised it could give him did not come through. And he found himself like George Bailey, broken, desperate, empty. He was now empty financially. He was now empty emotionally, and especially he was empty spiritually like George Bailey. And in Luke 15, Luke describes it as that he came to his senses. He came to an awakening that maybe he had a better back home. Maybe his dad's values, maybe his dad's ways was better than his own ways, and he made a decision I'm going to crawl back to my dad, and hopefully my dad would let me back home. And if I could just maybe be a servant back then, at least I'd have a, a place over my head and, and make it somehow. And many of you know that story, that the, the son humbled himself. He cried out, and he went home. And his father was not judgmental and harsh, but his father was gracious and loving and received him back and forgiven. It's a picture of Christ, that when we're in trouble, he was willing to reach out to us and welcome us back. We discover that many times we don't realize our need for God until life lets us down. Have you ever been through a crisis? Have you ever been broken like George Bailey? Maybe you've been, been in, a, in a pit in your life that there was brokenness in your marriage. Maybe there's brokenness in your body. Maybe your career has been broken or your dreams have been broken and pretty soon you realize you need somebody more than yourself. Is there answers? Is there some hope out there? For George Bailey, he knew he was in trouble. For he, he was in trouble financially and there was a misplaced uh, money that would put him in jeopardy and his business in jeopardy. He was even maybe facing jail time all because of this crisis. Speaking of crisis, I happened to run across uh, another uh, personal crisis the other day. It, ha it happened to be on uh, YouTube, of all things. I was perusing some YouTube, and my son and I uh, followed this uh, basketball kid out of Wisconsin. And he's very talented, and, he, and he's become kind of uh, successful, let's say, through YouTube. Uh, because he'll go to different parks and gyms, and he'll just do pickup ball with strangers and get on a team. And he's really talented, and he'll beat all these people. And sometimes he'll do these trick shots. And so we kind of watch his journey through these different cities and things. And I don't watch him too often, but I was uh, scrolling through there, and there was a headline by this I would say he's a 23-year-old young man. And uh, the headline was, something's growing in my brain. 
Something's growing in my brain. I was like, well, what, what, that has nothing to do with basketball. What's going on? So I click on it and, and watch his story. And sure enough, he's this good-looking, successful 23-year-old. And the, the screen comes on, and he, he sits down in his plush, nice sofa and in his brand-new, beautiful house, living room, all by himself. And he says uh, to all my fans and followers, I, I, this has nothing to do with basketball. I just want to share that there's something going on with me medically. Uh, me and my mom has, has known for a long time that there's some kind of cell or space in my brain that the doctors have noticed. It's, it's, the x-rays have shown it, PET scans, and, but it, it hasn't moved. It hasn't affected me in any way. But the last time I had checked it out, the doctors said it's growing, and now they're concerned. They're not sure what it is, cancerous, tumor, whatever. But we now have to really address this issue. And just by his look, just by his voice, Here's a young man that had the world by the tail. Man, he had plenty of money, had a lot of fame. He had everything that the world says, man, you're a success. But now he can't control something that is growing in his brain, and he's scared, and he's concerning. And he, at the end, he tried to say, well, I'm going to try my best to be positive. And my heart kind of reached out to him and, and, and uh, wanted to pray for him, right? He, he had no claim or indication of any God or, or Christ. But if I know my God, my God will reach out to him because my God has been watching him and loves him. And now he comes to the point that George Bailey came to, a lot of point that we've come to to say, hey, man, there's something bigger that I can't control. I I need a savior. I need a rescuer. I need a God to help me out. Because many times we don't realize that we need a God until life lets us down. I think this is the whole premise of Philip Stern's uh, heart behind the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, of this man of George Bailey. He's in trouble, and he needs a rescuer. It's the same theme 3,000 years ago when the prophet Isaiah was sharing to the people that there's a coming judgment on us. We have not been following God. We have turned our backs on God, and now God is going to let the, our arch enemies come and, and overtake us. We need a rescue. And through the prophecies of those scriptures, God would insert these words of hope that there is hope, there is a savior, there is a rescuer. See, Christmas wasn't going to happen until that rescuer was going to come. And in the ninth chapter of Isaiah, God would inspire this prophet to write these words. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. They needed to hear that because there was a lot of bad news. And there's a lot of bad news out there these days, but God never gives up on us. He would not give up on George Bailey. He does not give up on you. And he inserts these words of hope for his people of Israel. And what words did he give? He described this coming Christ child as a God that is a wonderful counselor. Does anyone ever need counsel in your life? If you're a parent, then surely you need a little bit of counsel, right? And this wonderful counsel can come into our spirit that lives within us, that reminds us of things, that encourages us. The Holy Spirit teaches us, it convicts us, it comforts us, it empowers us that we can live life full and free and holy before him because of this wonderful paraclete 
counselor that is with us. He also describes this coming child, this, this Christ, as the mighty God, right? A God that is the creator, that over, nothing can overtake him. He created all things, and he will work all things out for his good and our good. Some people struggle with just the notion of, can there be a God? Is, is it true? Well, can I just invite you to look at one piece of evidence that God is true by just nature itself? Uh, look at the beautiful seasons that we get to experience here in Minnesota. Look at the beautiful snowflakes that come down from the summer lakes and the birds chirping to the majestic mountains, to oceans and the beaches, um, to just uh, uh, peaceful times. God created this. In fact, the very first verse in the entire Bible, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the galaxies and the earth. It's just evidence all the time that God is real. This mighty God. But this mighty God is not some far-off scary that we can never approach, but he's also a personal God. And, and we notice that he gives this God the words, Everlasting Father. A father for us. And this father is eternal. He's the father of eternity. This father never had a beginning. <clears throat> He's never going to have an end. He is omniscient everywhere, all presence. Now, for some of us, or all of us, we've had some earthly fathers, right? Uh, fathers who had a lifetime and then they perished. If you're a father here today or you're watching online, you will perish someday. We only have this much, but the everlasting Father is forever. And many people call him our heavenly Father. It's an enduring, endearing term because this Father is Jesus Christ, who, whose birth was real and backed himself up as the one true God by his historical resurrection. But it doesn't end there. It also describes this Christ, this God as the Prince of Peace. How much peace do we need? The world is always bringing anxiety and, and demands in our life. But God says, I bring you peace. Not so much peace in the world. There's always going to be conflict and evil in the world. But in our souls, the deepest part of our life is where we can have peace in our soul. The world is going to offer us temporary things and, and glitzy things and glamorous things, but our greatest need is down deep in ourselves that we can have peace. And yes, that's why it's a big deal, especially here at Faithbrook and many other ch churches, because it is the Christ who is coming. It is this wonderful counselor. It is this prince of peace. It's this, it's this eternal father. Because God knew that we would need Christmas. God knew that we would need a Savior. And we appreciate all the festivities and the extra things that come along with, with Christmas. And we're looking forward to next Sunday with our kids helping us out in worship. But the most important thing we need is a rescuer. A rescuer from our stubbornness, from our selfishness from our sin and pride. And that's why the angel said to Joseph, 700 years of the prophecy of Isaiah, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. Because he will 
save his people from their sins. Save his people from their sins. Wow, George Bailey, he needed salvation. He needed to be saved. He was desperate. Oh God, if you're up there, show me the way. Have you ever been there? And in this um, this script of this movie, the way God saved him was from a kind of a, a corny type of frumpy angel named Clarence. And the first time that, that George <clears throat> sees Clarence and introduced to Clarence it was in a very unusual way. But God was after George Bailey. And this is how he did it. I didn't have time to get some stylish underwear. Wife gave me this on my last birthday. <laughs> I passed away in it. Oh, Tom Sawyer's drying out too. You should read the new book Mark Twain's writing now. How did you happen to fall in? I didn't fall in. I jumped in to save George. You what? You're... To save me? Well, I did, didn't I? You didn't go through with it, did you? Go through with what? Suicide. Oh, well, it's against the law to commit suicide around here. Yeah, it's against the law where I come from, too. Well, where do you come from? Heaven. I had to act quickly. That's why I jumped in. I knew if I were drowning, you tried to save me. You see, you did. And that's how I saved you. Uh, uh, very funny. Yes. So Clarence realized if he jumped in, the instincts of George would take over and George would stop thinking about his self and feeling sorry for himself and, and go after him. And that's exactly what happened, that he would start the beginning of salvation for George Bailey. Uh, this dramatic scene of the angel jumping into the icy cold river really kind of parallels the story of Christ. See, Christ saw us in our loneliness. Christ saw us in our desperality. Instead of jumping into a river, he let himself be hung on a cross for our sake. Uh, Apostle Paul later wrote it this way, but God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ would go to the cross that his blood would be shed so that our sins could be covered. It could be atoned for. It could be completely forgiven, and we could be set free in a new life in Christ Jesus. I would suggest for a lot of us, we might be on that bridge contemplating our life. For most of us, we don't even think about it. We're just doing our own thing. But there might be a crisis. There might be a word. There might become some kind of um, word from God that says, 
hey, maybe we're not right with God. Or maybe there's a crisis and even so dark and desperate we're contemplating even taking our own life. Have you ever been there? But God sees us on that bridge. God sees us that we have failed. We have hurt him. We have hurt others. And just because we might have our own moral rules or principles, it's not enough. And so hopefully we have all come to that point that we cry out, God, I need you. Show me the way. And the good news is God doesn't send a Santa. God doesn't send a a reindeer. He sent himself through his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us, to rescue us, to help us. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And in the movie, it was a unique way how, how God would redeem George because George was thinking to himself, man, I wish I was never been born. Things are so miserable. I've failed so bad. I don't count. I just wish I was never been born. And so Clarence the angel <clears throat> took heart of that and said, well, let's see what that would look like. And so he took George on a little journey and said, George, why don't you go back in your city and see what it'd be like if you were never born. And so he starts walking through Bedford Falls, the little city, but it's not Bedford Falls anymore. It's Potterville. And this town is not the way he had the town because this town now is an unsavory city occupied by sleazy entertainment venues, crime, and the people are just callous. George never lived. He didn't make a difference. He goes back to his home and and there he finds his aging mother and, and he speaks to his mother and his Mother doesn't recognize him because he was never born. And he asks about his Uncle Billy, uh, who is a little bit odd. He says, oh, Uncle Billy, he hasn't been around. He's been institutionalized in mental health for years. He runs by his building, building alone building, but it's not a bank. It's a crumbling down building because he was never around to start that building and loan for people that wanted to start some... Um, uh, low-income housing. He runs out to his property where he developed his little park for low-income housing. It's not a park anymore. There's no houses there. It's a cemetery. It's dark and gloomy. He's walking through the cemetery and he finds his, his family's plots and he sees his brother's name there on a tombstone with the date and the year where his brother fell through the ice when they were kids. And when he was around, he was there to rescue his brother Harry and save his life. But because he was wishing he never was born, he wasn't born and his brother perished. Now he's getting scared. Now he's starting to realize that maybe his life counts. And he continues on through the town and he goes to his house that him and his wife Mary had. But when he sees Mary coming out of the library, he, he notices that she doesn't recognize him either. Who are you? And he is now panicking and scared and starts shaking her and she screams and she calls the police and and runs away. And it's all coming back on him to realize that maybe his life did count before God. Maybe his life did count for the people around him, even though he wasn't that successful and he had a lot of strains and frustrations, but his life mattered to his society. His life mattered to God. And he needed more than his own morality and his own talents and his own grit. He needed to get back to God. And so he runs back to that bridge where he first was introduced to Clarence. And he realizes that he needs to change. He needs to change. 
and he starts crying out for salvation. Let's look at this. Clarence! Clarence! Help me, Clarence! Get me back! Get me back! I don't care what happens to me! Get me back to my wife and kids! Help me, Clarence, please! Please! I want to live again! I want to live again! I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. Hey, George! George! You all right? Hey, what's the matter? Now get out of here, Bert, or I'll hit you again. Get out of here. What the Sam Hill are you yelling for, George? You... George? Bert, do you know me? Know you? <laughs> you kidding? I've been looking all over town trying to find you. I saw your car piled into that tree down there, and I thought maybe you... Hey, your mouth's bleeding. Are you sure you're all right? What you... <laughs> My mouth's bleeding, Bert! My mouth's bleeding! Zuzu's pedals. Zuzu. <clears throat> there they are! Bert! What do you know about that? Merry Christmas! Well, Merry Christmas. George didn't realize it, but he's been saved. He was saved physically, he was saved spiritually, and George is now a new man. He's been brought back to his original reality and restored, and now he is so grateful. And next week, we're going to see how grateful he was and how he started viewing everything so much differently in his life. My friends, some of you have maybe never heard of this movie or never saw it. I recommend that you to watch it. But the reason I, I picked this old classic movie, because it's really a story of salvation. Because most of us are like George Bailey. We're good people. We're trying to help others and just survive life. And we're going through life, but we really never cried out for God. We never realized that maybe deeply we count before God. And God has been pursuing us. And even though we, we might have some level of success, but there's a distance between us and God. There's an unsettlement in our soul that we're not been made with God, right with God. And maybe... We need a God that is a wonderful counselor, a God that is an everlasting father, that he is the, the mighty God and the prince of peace. George Bailey discovered that wonderful life comes when we accept the wonderful gift of God. George Bailey received that wonderful gift of God, and he was made new. Now, the movie is made up. But the movie of God is not made up. It is real. His birth was historic. His death happened. And his resurrection has been proved. And this God is alive today, pursuing you and reaching out to you in our broken and hurting world. One of the things we want to do in, in kind of closing here is just give you a chance to maybe pray for yourself or pray for others. Uh, this week, our staff is going to be looking over our, our prayer cards. And, and if you have a prayer need or prayer request for yourself or others, we would like for you to communicate that. 
So what I'd like for everyone to do is to pull out a blue card in front of you and the pen that's beside it. And we're going to ask you to write a prayer request that you're praying for. Maybe there's something in your family that you're wishing for Christmas, right? If God could really step in, there's a need that you know of a friend or a coworker. And, and maybe there, that you have a need, a personal need, physically or financially, but especially maybe um, spiritually. Is there something that you're carrying? Is there something that, that you're looking uh, that God would help you? Maybe you're watching online and, and our host is online. You're welcome to type in a prayer request or, or um, a wish or a prayer that you would like to see this Christmas. Maybe it's for our world just uh, the war, economics, uh, the sicknesses are out there. God, I pray this Christmas, and you write that request. And if you would give us your name, that, that would be helpful also. And we're going to pray for that. But maybe through this message, you come to realize that you're a little, little bit more like George Bailey than you realized. That God has been pursuing you and offering you hope, but you just haven't really been paying attention until there's a need. Maybe it's a crisis in your need, in your life, but maybe it's not. But you know that you haven't really asked Christ to come into your life and lead your life and show you the way. We're going to give you a, a, a time to do that in a little bit. But I'd like for you to just kind of picture that scene where that angel jumps into the icy river. I'm sure it was dangerous and cold. It was dramatic, no doubt about it. But now would you think about what Christ did on the cross over 2,000 years ago? Can you just picture his suffering, humiliation, dying on that cross? See, Clarence jumped in to save George. And God hung on a cross for you to wake up that he wants to save you, that he loves you dearly. And he paid a high price for you, for you to trust him and ask him to lead your life and forgive you of your sins. We're going to say a prayer in just a moment. But first, I've asked Nicole to sing a, a song of just praise and gratitude of this Christmas time and this Savior that came. And at the end of this song, we're going to pray together, uh, uh, together a prayer of salvation and ask Christ to forgive us and come to our hearts that he might live in us. So let's reflect on these words and then we'll pray afterwards. Christ so loves us that he gave his only begotten son that for whoever claims him, believes in him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. Maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe church is kind of new to you, but this kind of makes sense that today you and Christ have come into your heart. I'd like for all of us to pray out loud and repeat these words after me and pray this prayer of salvation. Would you lift your voice and repeat these words after me in prayer? God, thank you for the season of Christmas. God, thank you for the season of Christmas. I believe you were born to a virgin in a manger. I believe you were born to a virgin in a manger. 
I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead and rose from the dead. Now I choose to follow you wholeheartedly. Now I choose to follow you wholeheartedly. Forgive my sins. Forgive my sins. Wash me spiritually. Wash me spiritually. Come deep into my life and soul. Come deep into my life and soul. I receive this new life. I receive this new life. By faith and I thank you. By faith and I thank you. Now friends, if you said that prayer and you were sincere, God is sincere. And God's word is true that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and loving to forgive us. And new life can come into our life because now Christ has wiped away our sins. We have placed him as the leader to show me the way that just like George Bailey said, God, I need you. And God did it. He did that in your life. So if you could take your blue card and indicate uh, by these words, if you'd write these words down right here, that's on the screen. God, I accept your wonderful gift. If this is your first time you ever said that prayer, really meant that prayer, or it's the first time in a long time that you said that prayer, we'd love for you to write these words. God, I accept your wonderful gift. And write your name on that blue card because I want to pray for you. I want to reach out to you and just encourage you and, and welcome you to the family of God. Uh, on your way out, there's going to be a basket on a little table. Everyone can put their prayer requests in that basket. And especially if you said that prayer, God, accept your wonderful gift. So let's stand together and we'll close out. Everlasting Father, we're so grateful that you gave your son for us that came in a child. We are celebrating that fact. But God, it really makes sense when we receive that gift in our own life. And for those online, for those who are here today, they said that prayer sincerely. God, we know that you have stepped into their life. Your blood has covered their sins. They are gone. They are forgiven. And they are new in you. We know, God, that your spirit will witness to their spirit, God, that they are alive and a child of God. Now help us to live that out. Help us to celebrate that, God, and live more like you. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, greet someone on their way out. God bless, and you're dismissed.